we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we broadcast loud and queer, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and recognise their own history as well as their queer history and community members. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. You just heard Stay by Brambles. Coming up, we've got an interview with Cerulean. Now, Cerulean is a drag artist, and they're going to be joining us to talk about how their year has been um, in performance and, and drag-wise, and upcoming hyper-pop night that they're producing, as well as to touch on some of the ambitions they have for future events and to spotlight more local talent in the area. XEX Universe will be on at Loop Bar on the 22nd of October, featuring hyper-pop tunes by DJ Soda and drag acts like uh, Xena Ghost, Mora Money, and Tabonga. So here we go. This is our interview with Cerulean. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. Hi, everybody. My name is Cerulean. I am the current reigning Miss First Nations 2021. I'm a medium drag queen that is based in Melbourne, and I've been gigging around, you know, doing my thing for a while now and yeah I like to bring energy and excitement to the stage and put some smiles on people's faces. Very true, very true. (laughs) So yeah we're here to talk today about XCX Universe which I'm very keen to but before we jump into that it's been like a huge year for you. Um, You just mentioned obviously Miss First Nations last year and kind of the run-on from that this year with Mardi Gras and also like been doing a few high concept shows and then just like non-stop gigs in between yeah pretty much yeah I could imagine it's been like very exciting time but maybe a little exhausting as well yeah it's a it's a very exciting time but yeah like you said it is very exhausting I've been a freelance drag artist before that I had a, a day job up until like March early in the year and I kind of took, you know, like a bit of a step of faith, like, I'm not sure where this is going to go, whether the I'll get enough gigs and all that, but I just did it. And it's been going pretty well so far. I've been sustained um, within the world of drag and, and the arts in general. I do other practices as well. And yeah, it's it's been going pretty well. And I'm really enjoying and learning how to balance things at the moment. So yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun time. Yeah, awesome. I feel like, yeah, that's a everyone that kind of steps into that not just drag but like kind of managing your own business in a sense as well it's always that that kind of time management stuff that you have to get used to a bit yeah like life admin and just general drag admin is yeah it takes up a lot of my time and I just didn't realize and sometimes it's like hard to turn off when you're constantly thinking of especially when you have to be creative and artistic it's like oh, I don't know how to turn this off. Like, I need to sleep right now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no no clock on and off. Just constantly thinking about it. Well, yeah, any, like, particular highlights from the year? I mean, Miss First Nations and, like, going to Mardi Gras, I could imagine being, like, one. But, yeah, any others? Yeah, so highlights of the year. I've been traveling around, so I've gone to Darwin for shows. I went to Perth for another program thing, but it's, it's kind of cool to travel around for a bit. And... Actually, a big highlight was uh, the Drag Expo, actually, that happened in Melbourne. It went over the weekend, two days, Saturday and Sunday. And yeah, I just met so many other drag artists from around the country and from 
like internationally as well, like Olivia Luck, Scarlett, Envy, to name a few, Ben Odd, who like pretty much did, like gave me the biggest compliment of of like my career. I mean, obviously coming from her, I'm just like she just told she just like told me all the right things, and I was like, oh my god, thank you so much. Like, I guess it gave me confidence that like you know I'm in the right place and doing the right things. So. Yeah, that was a big highlight. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, I guess we'll jump into talking about XCX Universe now. Yeah. It's going to be uh, next Saturday at Loop Bar. Uh, yeah, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, so yeah, next Saturday at Loop Bar, it's going to be really fun. We've got a hype, it's a hyper pop night, like hyper pop pop vibe. I might tell them to sprinkle a bit of K-pop in there somewhere. I don't know. It's going to be really fun, like a like a pop a party. And there's it's at Loop Bar, which is like on the come up. They're doing a lot of like more queer centric uh gigs night in the last few months they had a new um kind of a venue manager that's really getting a lot of drag and the queer arts into the loop bar which is really fun and yeah so we have our dj soda who is an amazing dj like i saw them um djing once at a brunch and they were playing hyper pop at the brunch and i was standing so hard i'm just like listening to these friggin like electronic sounds in the middle of a brunch and I'm like I, I need to, I need to have them on sometime we also have um our performers we have drag performers in the night as well we have Xena Ghost, Havonga and it'll be hosted by Mora Money which is an amazing Rodri um drag artist and human being and artist and all-around amazing human and yeah, it's, it's going to be a really fun night. I won't be in drag, which is good. I, I like to keep my producing and artistic caps a little bit separate. Otherwise, I will probably overwhelm myself. So yeah, I'll just be there enjoying the party, making sure things are running smoothly. And yeah, it's going to be a really fun night. Yeah, awesome. How do you find the like producing side of things, like event producing, putting on events um, and like not performing? Yeah, I will like I'm just starting to now because like I guess I'm just trying to find the balance in life between like, you know, freelance work and I've been doing a lot of that. And I feel like now I've kind of gotten to a place where I find a bit of balance and I can add in like, I guess, more things that will be sustained in the future like I want to build a bit of a like a production almost like a business that I can run under so it's not just cerulean um and you know put on events and and fun times for everybody so that's up and coming I now have time for it which is great so yeah be on the lookout (laughs) that's so exciting to hear yeah definitely be on the lookout everyone but yeah talking about this night specifically what draws you to hyperpop why do you want to put on a hyperpop night yeah so I feel like there's a lot of like I guess intersectionality like within myself that I feel um because I feel like especially with the communities there's a lot of like um particular um don't want to say separation but like I feel like if it's a first nations night or something it's 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 got to be a particular I feel like there's a particular vibe there's a hyper pop night or pop night there's a particular vibe if there's an R&B like you know there's like all of these different elements and I feel like I as a human being intersect some of that stuff so I kind of want to bring in all of these different elements that like you know we're complex human beings and I feel like a lot of parties go for the majority of I guess I don't want to say stereotypes but like I feel like there's there's definitely like 
the type of events that they try to draw different types of people where I feel like, like me, myself as a complex person, I love like hyper pop and pop. And I feel like there are a lot of like queer and like, you know, PSC people that also like that stuff, but then there's like not really a space for that. So like with, I guess my productions and like going into the future, I really want to build those like diverse and complex you know, um, intersectional spaces where people can really enjoy what they enjoy. Yeah, if that makes sense. That definitely makes sense for sure. And yeah, it's a very good point. And then paying tribute to Charlie XCX with the names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, like one of the hyperpop. Well, like someone that like drove hyperpop into the mainstream. Um, obviously, we have like you know Sophie and some other an AG Cook and amazing producers. Um, but I feel like. Charlie XCX was like the one that really boosted hyperpop into the mainstream I feel like is yeah is one of the, one of those ones yeah <laughs> yeah definitely like kind of was around before kind of hyperpop was really kind of a defined genre but like definitely used a kind of industry space to um kind of platform and work with people I like just skyrocketed it. yeah literally so like yeah things back in like 2015 or 16 I feel like it was 15 um or maybe 16 where she bring out from vroom, vroom and it kind of almost just changed everything and I feel like that EP is like it's kind of like Azealia Banks's 1991 or something I feel like there's like a it's a definitive time where it kind of just boosted this off into um, what it is today. And yeah, I feel like it's, it's fun. And XCX, and like our, our initial thing was like, oh, maybe like XCX World, cause like it was an album that was never released. And I was like, copyrights, I don't really know. I don't even know if XCX is copyrighted. I'm sure it isn't, but we'll see. I can see it again too. No. <laughs> it's some random, random. Yeah, some random letters put together. I prepared a bit of a very short kind of hyper pop quiz because you just oh. talked about it, showing everyone that you definitely kind of know your stuff. But I've got. Oh, oh my God, I hope I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll probably butcher this, but yeah, why not? Should be, should be fun. All right. So I've got three 16 bars of random tracks. So you're going to get like a point if you can guess the artist and a point if you can guess the exact track. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I have like hyperpop playlists, and I'm like, do I actually know what they're called? Probably not. But let's let's see what happens. We'll see. And also, it's like, uh, yeah, hyperpop's obviously very dynamic. So it's like, yeah, sometimes just 16 bars of a song could be can be tricky. Yeah. <laughs> this is the the first one. I don't think I have no clue what that is. To be honest, no clue. No clue. I, it sounds, uh, I don't know, it kind of sounds, honestly, Dorian Electra-esque, but I, I'm pretty sure I know all of their discography, and it doesn't sound like it, or like Little Texas or something. Yeah, I have no idea what that was. <laughs> yeah, it was 100 Gex. It's different now, everything's 100 changed. Gex. Yeah, it was. 100 Gex is actually one of the artists that I don't listen to in the hyperpop realm, which is very surprising because they're like one of the one of the top. <laughs> no, that's fair though. Because <laughs> uh, it was eight hundred decibels because it's like oh, yeah. very normal 
kind of pop song of you know for 100 gex um and yeah. then the last kind of like little outro is just like that weird almost heavy metal <laughs> breakdown yeah i love heavy metal break- breakdowns it's i love breakdowns in general i just love music that just sounds over the top and just peckers <laughs> yeah for sure all right next one oh, oh my god what song is it I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's one of Lady Gaga's. Is it the end of um uh is it s- Sign from Above? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Sign from Above, the remix from Donna Chromatica. Yeah. One of my favorite trends in music of like really butchering Elton John's vocals. <laughs> oh my god, that is. I honestly hate it so much, but at the same time, I think it's the funniest thing in the world, but I just hate it with all my heart, but it's just hilarious at the same time. Like, they just made it, like, I, like, they were literally, like, um, like, Lady Gaga's verse into the chorus was, like, really cool. I really liked it. And then Elton John started, and they were just, like, let's just put on all of these little noises that, like, like, there was, like, a balloon that was just, like, (laughs) yeah. For sure. I think it's yeah, and I, I, some like other tracks is featured on as well have been like similar. It's just like, I don't know, something about people trying to do some like slight melodyne or like auto tuning to his voice just like seems to, I don't know, doesn't <laughs> never sounds good. Yeah. Um, okay, last one. Um, is it? I want to say tears. Is it? By Charlie XCX and Caroline Polachek? Uh No. It is a Charlie XCX song, if you want to... It is, isn't tears, though, if you want to take another guess. Oh, oh my god. Can you play it once more? <laughs> once more? Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Oh, I don't... No, nothing's coming to mind. No, yeah, that's fair. It was um Pink Diamond. Oh, of How course, of course. Yeah, so you got half of them correct. Did I? I got like one <laughs> with two points for the the artist name and the track name. True. Yeah, I, I knew. I was like, for some reason, it it kind of like flowed into tears in my mind. Yeah. I don't know why, but yeah, I, sure. I should have known it was Pink Diamond. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like I said, it's um sixteen bars of Life Apart track <laughs> is like definitely not enough information to guess the track <laughs> so yeah, when you said it i thought i thought you meant like the start of the track no, it's just 16 random and i was like oh just any in, in a random your place <laughs> yeah, so, damn yeah. It. Anyway, great work yeah. i i think that's proved that you know you're a hyperpop expert for sure thank you <laughs> all right well thanks so much for coming on to the show um where can people find you online and like especially where can people find out more about xcx universe Ooh, they can find more online about myself and xcx universe uh at uh cerulean uwu on instagram so that's at c-e-r-u-l-e-a-n-u-w-u um yeah a lot of people um, wonder why I put Uwu at the end of the, my name and they think it's my last name when it's actually not. My name is just Cerulean. I put Uwu there because like the Cerulean, all the Cerulean handles were taken. So I was just like, this is kind of cute. I'll put it there. And I don't regret it. But at the same time, I get a lot of contracts sent at me with Cerulean with the last name Uwu. <laughs> and I think it's hilarious. But yeah. Well, yeah. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, I think... Uh, 
yeah, I think that's it. Um, definitely come along to XCX Universe uh, if you are. Like, go to my page, have a look. It's in my link in the bio. Um, come along. It's going to be a really, really fun night. It'll be a vibe. Yeah, come along. You're here with me, Marcy, Lizzie, and our next interview guest, Jay Rosamom. Hi, thank you for having me. An artist and researcher based here in Nam, completing a PhD in art at RMIT University. Their work explores intersections of art, technology, and society, and they currently have a really, really exciting exhibition in Fringe that's online. It is. It's entirely online. It's a virtual exhibition, a 3D metaverse experience, buzzword, buzzword. <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, it's it's on the entirety of Fringe 24-7. Oh my gosh, exciting. So your exhibition, AI Perceptions of Gender, is online, as as, as said, for, for Melbourne Fringe, right now until the 26th of October. What can you tell us about it? Oh my gosh. So this is like the culmination of my PhD research. Um, so I've spent the last four years putting this all together. And it's really exploring sort of how AI sees gender and why AI sees gender. What can we learn from the way AI sees gender and what can we, how can we teach it to be better about gender? Because most AIs are incredibly binary. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because that's not how it should be. And it's all, it's a lot of it is based on bone structure and on things like that. And it's like, that's incredibly incredibly wrong. This is not how things should work at all. So I've been trying to break down those boundaries and go, why is it like this? What can we do that's better? So uh, all of this exhibition is very much based on that. Awesome. Um, What first got you interested in like specifically researching AI and making it the focus of your PhD? Oh, so in my during my master's, I uh, did a um, I started working with um, style transfer. That was the first AI I was exposed to, and I just it was so cursed. It was so completely wackadoo, and I was like, I have to work with this technology. And there was like this easy to use website, right? But it was broken. Uh, it, it was down because everybody was using it. So I I found the code, and I went this can't be that hard, right? (laughs) (laughs) And those were the famous last words, really. Um, Yeah. And that's pretty much what I say before every project that I embark on. (laughs) Were you exploring the relationship between gender and technology in research prior to AI, or has it always been very much focused in that field of tech? I think that um, AI's, uh, for, for me, gender has always been a focus for, like, even when I was painting, even back, way back when, um, uh, gender's always been a theme. Uh, but now, of course, I, I look back on it, I'm like, oh, oh, this is very gender. But at the time, I didn't know that. And as as I progressed through my master's and then um, into uh, uh, pitching my PhD, because you actually have to uh, write an application with your thesis idea for your PhD, uh, I was very much, no, 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 no. I see it now. I see what I need to do. And yeah, AI really helped bring that out. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned that you used to do like painting. So what was it like designing galleries through spatial and like transitioning from, you know, more more practical artwork into tech-based artwork? Oh my God. So we were, um, when, when I got the opportunity to um, make this exhibition virtual, and that's because my examiners are from all over the world, which is very exciting, as I don't know where. Um, but yeah, uh, we, 
we're like, oh, look, I can make boring websites or I could try and make something really, really cool and groundbreaking. And then suddenly I was like, why have I suggested this now? I'm faced with this infinite space where I can do anything I want. And it's the ultimate fear of a white canvas, right? It's like, oh no, I'm not an architect. What am I doing? So I went to AI. I went to Mid Journey. And um, I actually typed it. I actually used Dali 2 and uh, Stable Diffusion as well, but Mid Journey was my favorite. And I designed up, uh, I kept asking it questions relating to my research. Like, okay, uh, a gallery around, um, uh, crum uh, uh, around uh, marble statues uh, that are changing gender and um, uh, a gallery around, you know, uh, AI perceptions of gender or an, a gallery. And it, would, it took quite a while to design the different concepts, but these prompts helped me get ideas. And then I turned those into 3D models using Blender and textured them. And look, some of them don't resemble the original design that much. And some of them are really close, but all of them have that inspiration that came from these AI systems. Being able to design a gallery, gallery like in an in-person like space, like, mm -hmm. like having that limited space and then having like an online like space is like almost limitless like yeah. possibilities. Like <laughs> that would have been, that must have been like really like, overwhelming but like it sounds like you managed to like find like a way of like presenting the ideas you want to present in a way that like like will make good use of the online space yeah i'm really lucky actually because um my my supervisor my original gallery design actually didn't suit my um research at all uh and my uh, my uh, lead supervisor was like what if you made this more like your research and i i got so mad at him but then i went away <laughs> and i thought about it and i came back and i worked with the ais in this very very specific way and it actually i got so inspired to create all of these really exciting things and these um cool options and i got um uh it it just it became this spiraling uh collaborative inspiration fest <laughs> mm -hmm. uh which uh totally um fueled everything that I did and it just it it made it uh even more exciting because yeah I don't have to, uh, how many artists actually get to design their own gallery for their own work I mean what a huge opportunity <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's, of course, already been open for a little bit, um, your gallery. Have you gained any interesting insights from people viewing it or just generally how have you felt the reception has been? Uh, it's been pretty good. I, I admit that I'd like uh, probably more uh, people to explore the gender tapestry work, which is a community-based artwork, um, because the more people who engage with it, the, the better it's going to get and the more interesting and the more... Uh, because every it's a it's a mosaic, it's a community mosaic that's made up of everybody's faces who've participated in the project, and they uh, when you start you get assigned instead of a gender. No, we're not we're not doing assigned genders. We're doing assigned colors. It custom mixes <laughs> a color based on um, the the classifier. And it's it's then those faces all become a beautiful mosaic as part of it. So it, the more people we get going, the more colours we have and the more beautiful the project will be. I hope this is very experimental. Lovely. <laughs> that. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, Where's Sam going? Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, sorry, sorry. I, I'm just, like, visualising the idea of, like, assigned colour, like, the, mm. like, having, like, the 
could you go more into detail about that? Like just absolutely. So I trained a classifier. Most classifiers, uh, gender classifiers in particular, are, are binary. They're, it's a, it's a yes, no, one, zero, male, female, and. Pfft. Uh, so I, I wanted to think about gender instead of, like everybody talks about gender as a spectrum and they think about it as a linear spectrum with male on one end and female on the other. And that's not gender either. Gender is radial. It's a three-dimensional colour space. Gender is, you know, is so much more than these limits. So let's stop assigning these limits. So I actually trained the classifier based on multiple sets of pronouns instead of um, genders, because I thought it would be a bit more friendly to be pronoun-based. Mm-hmm. And I, um, uh, as, but nobody sees those. What they see is uh, this set of colours that are then mixed based on their results from the classifier, which, uh, so it comes down to three different sets, which are then um, mathed. <laughs> into into a RGB colour set. Well, people can view your exhibition for free by searching for AI Perceptions of Gender on the Fringe website mm-hmm. anytime until the 26th of October. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Um, no, that's it. Or if you're interested in the colour bit in particular, gendertapestry.com um, is the place. And, of course, you can view uh, the exhibition on your laptops uh, through your or, or your um, phones, uh, even through VR. Um, it's on online at any time. So yeah, awesome. Thank Easy you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. We in, we we loved and enjoyed hearing about about your work in your gallery, and we hope to be able to like experience it like before the twenty sixth. It sounds amazing. Thank um, you so much. <laughs> Hello, hello. That was Raver by Kai Colt. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin with Marcy and Lizzie. Coming up right now, actually got an interview with Rachel Maria Cox, who is a Newcastle-based musician who has leaned into old pop sound with the latest single, Say You Love Me, and with their new EP, The Day you Left, will be out November 24th. So, your new track, Say You Love Me, has been out for a little bit now. How have you felt the initial reception has been? It's been good. It's I've been very happy with it. I'm always just happy that anyone listens to it, other than, like, my partner and my mum. So that's that's always nice. Um, and it's been interesting because it's been so long between releases. Sort of didn't really have any expectations coming into this, which was nice. It's kind of liberating to just go into a release and be like, I really don't care. It's been so long. It's just like about putting a song out again. So it's that's been a really good feeling because it just means that um, anyone who likes it is exciting and I'm grateful for any kind of response at all. Awesome. As you mentioned, this one's been in the works for a while, three years in the making. Can you tell us a bit about kind of that timeline and how the track came together? (laughs) So it was ready to go end of 2019. Um, This song actually kind of came about and got written and recorded around the same time as Prosecco, which was my last single from 2019. And then at the same time as Time as well, which was from the year before that. I think I have no concept of time pre-COVID anymore. (laughs) Yeah, Prosecco was... 2019 I believe time was just at the end of 2018 but yeah yes yeah yeah yeah. that's right that makes sense okay so and this was written around the same time this was sort of uh part of the same little set of songs um and this one was always going to be the last one to come out but there was a little pandemic in the middle of that which really made that delay sort of longer than I'd anticipated um so what happened was in 2019 
I had been working with producers and getting everything recorded, getting it all put together. It was pretty much mixed and ready to go at the end of 2019, start of 2020. We'd sort of started putting together a little release plan and then everyone, uh, no spoilers for guessing um, what happened uh, in March of 2020 that sort of threw a spanner in the works. There's no prizes for guessing that. And then I was sitting on it for ages because I didn't really it was very up and down in 2020 and then also in 2021 I'd sort of thought about releasing it and then things would open up and then things would lock back down again and I watched so many friends who were also musicians have to reschedule tours and reschedule and just I, I watched that knock about other people and I was just that made me very cautious about putting things out before I was really confident um, that I would be able to play shows around it and um, that sort of thing because that's that's really important for promoting a release and I didn't really see that there was much point in having a release that I couldn't promote by playing live. So when it was like first recorded in 2019, is it pretty much the same like recording that we're hearing now or did the, sh- the song kind of change a bit over that time as well? The songs sort of haven't been touched, right? I basically had them mixed and they were ready to go. They were ready to go off to mastering. And I just, they literally just sat in like a Google Drive in a Dropbox for two years. It was actually interesting. I played my first live show uh, in Newcastle a couple of months ago since the lockdowns. Um, And I had to go back and listen to all of them again because I'd forgotten most of the words. (laughs) if I'm being honest, I've forgotten how they went. Um, And so that was uh, interesting and also kind of fun because it felt fresh again. Like I just put them away in a box, hadn't touched them because I feel like if I had, I would scrap everything and start again. And that process would have been never ending and I would never release things. So I was, I just was like, these are done. I'll put them away rather than getting caught up in overanalyzing and over-editing existing works yeah I think that's smart I feel like a lot of people would just be like oh no one knows they're going to be released or they were meant to I'll just keep working on them I'll change this that and then yeah probably good to just put them down yeah and it was also like a uh you know that just drives the cost up so much more as well like obviously you're paying I'm paying producers and I'm playing you know engineers and um musicians and even though it was a small group of people working on this project it wasn't like an enormous project in that sense if I wanted to go in and make any really significant revisions that's gonna just drive up the cost of doing this thing Um, and I'd rather just write new songs (laughs) because I think you know I look back on old songs that I've written and I'm like yeah if I had the time over I'd write it again but that's kind of not how art works you have to at some point draw a line in the sand and say this is done I'm finished with this and then go on and create something new yeah for sure the track's going to be a part of your new EP, The Day You Left, out the 23rd of November. Uh, what can you tell us about it? So it's all the other songs that went in that. It's stylistically quite different. The last full-length release that I did was uh, LP in 2017. Um, so that was very sort of rock-oriented. Um, this is quite different. It's very poppy. There's a lot of synth things going on, Um, but it also, I do feel like every single song 
is a little bit different and has some different influences and draws on some different influences as well. You know, there's one that's a little bit rockier. There's one that's kind of like more of a sort of Ariana Grande style pop ballad. There's like a lot of different different influences. Um, and I'm just really excited. Like I said, I didn't listen to these songs for two and a bit years and then I listened to them again to learn them again and I was like, oh, that's right, I really like these. So I'm really excited for it and I'm just happy to have something for people to listen to. Yeah, awesome. And um, it was produced by Japanese Wallpaper and Ben Fields. How was working with them for it? Ben did the whole EP and then Japanese Wallpaper Gab just came in on this one song, just on Say You Love Me. Um, And that was really interesting. Um, It was a lot of this EP was sort of done really in bits and pieces and in chunks and then a lot of it was done remotely as well because Ben was overseas Um, and so there was a lot of back and forth and I would I had made all these demos and I would send them over to them and then they'd send back revisions and there was a lot of kind of working upon reflection almost foreshadowing how work was going to become in the pandemic before that happened where we were doing everything remotely we were sending things back and forth and sending revisions back and forth it was really interesting working with both of them I really like both of their work and I think they both kind of brought something different and something interesting to the project and it's also just really nice to work with people who respect what you're doing and what your vision is and you know took my demos and didn't really try and make huge drastic changes to what I'd written but who kind of just had this ability to make it sound heaps better and really polished and and really fun it was a lot of remote collaboration and, and emails back and forth I never actually got in the studio with with Gab from Japanese wallpaper we did not do anything in the same place the only person that I worked with in person was Jono Took, who is the guitarist for Cry Club. Uh, and Jono did a lot of the engineering and mixing. So we did all the vocal tracking together um, in person. And he tracked some of the guitars on some of the songs as well. So that was the only thing that was really done in person. The rest of it was all done remotely. It's good to hear. Um, Jono's a friend of the show. We had Cry Club on earlier this year. The EP also follows kind of a relationship doomed to fail as I've heard, was jumping into kind of these new old pop sounds um, while creating this narrative through line an interesting process or did having that kind of narrative through line help explore new sounds, make it a bit easier? How is it all? So the kind of through line of the narrative came after the initial sort of first draft of a lot of the songs. I had a bunch of really rough ideas for a lot of the songs and then I kind of had stepped back a little bit and looked at them all as a whole and I sort of was like what ties all these together and then I went back in and edited and tweaked things and stuff like that to make it a little bit more cohesive as a whole work Um, because I am a big I'm a fan even if no one else notices it I'm a big believer in like if I'm gonna have a larger work if I'm gonna have an EP or an LP that there is something that ties all the songs together that there's some sort of connection between them that warrants them being released together as a work as opposed to separately as individual songs so it was interesting I was sort of already leaning towards some poppier sounds and then when I had these I had these song drafts and stuff like that and I sort of 
once I had this idea in my mind and this idea of what I wanted to connect all of those songs together, then it was about finding different references and different kind of pop influences that sort of informed a little bit more both the lyrics and then the sound of each of the songs. So it was that process of kind of stepping back a little bit and looking at everything together and then zooming back in and focusing on on individual songs and what they were going to sound like. Yeah, mentioning inspirations, um, what kind of were the main inspirations for the EP? And I guess like extension, if you could collaborate with any of them, who would it be? Um, A lot of the Veronicas, I'm not going to lie, a lot of the Veronicas, and if they're listening to this, because they've been playing a lot in the last couple of years, they've really kind of had a resurgence. So um, if by any chance they listen to this, the Veronicas would love that. Um, And then... There was a lot of pop stuff. So I've been DJing a lot and I was doing that sort of pre-pandemic and then um, as things started to open up a little bit, a lot more of that. So a lot of those sorts of influences kind of crept in as well. Um, I think there's some like Ariana Grande kind of influences in there. Um, There's Kelly Clarkson and that kind of like noughties pop rock kind of thing where – people like pink and artists like that where it was you know that that was sort of the pop music still had guitars and things like that um so I think that comes through in a couple of the songs yeah awesome you mentioned earlier RMC shows return this year and you've been DJing and then I believe you've also been doing some gigs as a part of Two Knives um how has that all been this year getting back into into live contexts uh it's been good it's been good like I said I did my first live show as as me earlier in the year through an organisation called Queer and Now that's based out of Newcastle um, and that was so much fun. I was That was really, really enjoyable um, and it's been nice because having these different sort of outlets to perform means that I can sort of, I don't feel like everything hinges on one kind of performance, right? So I can you know, I do feel like DJing really helped me get confident on the stage a lot more um, because the pressure of like singing is off. <laughs> so I could just focus more on the performance elements and more on that. And I think that really helped in terms of my performance style and, and it's kind of grown out of that. Uh, and then performing in Two Knives has been really fun as well because it's been working with a band again um, and playing in a band and also just, again, being in a new project, going back to absolute basics where you're like local band getting gigs playing to like six people um that kind of thing um and that's been really really enjoyable to be doing that again and be doing that with different people and then again get a chance to perform in a in a different context in a different setting yeah awesome um is there any shows upcoming you could tell us about uh should we keep an eye out for a a day you left tour next month Keep an eye out. I don't know when a lot of their shows are getting announced. So depending, I don't, I can't guarantee that when this goes to air that the shows will be announced yet. Um, but keep an eye out. There will definitely be shows coming up in Newcastle, in Melbourne and in Sydney as well. Where can people find you online? So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of those things at Rachel Maria Cox. And you can find my music on all standard streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, all that jazz, and then on Bandcamp as well if you want to throw me more than a tiny percentage of a cent for a song that I made. That would be really nice. (laughs) So, yeah, The Day You Left is out uh, November 24th, and then um, Say You Love Me is out now. 
Uh, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Is there anything else you'd want to add? Oh, also just keep another eye out because there is another single coming off the EP next month as well. Before the EP, there will be another song. Uh, very exciting. That was the wonderful Rachel Maria Cox. We'd like to thank them for coming on the show once again. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. Up next, we've got their lovely new single that they were just discussing, Say You Love Me. You're listening to Loud and Queer. This podcast is brought to you by Sin Media.